Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, I've got Myros, and I've got Jack, and I'm actually super excited for this episode. Um, not that I'm not excited for every episode, but uh, we, we got to watch a movie that I think I watched probably 10,000 times on basic cable as a, a child, like when I was like eight or nine years old, and uh, probably the movie that influenced me the most in my life. So I'm, I'm super pumped to talk cyborg today. See, I was saying this in the, in the chat to Jack, like, I don't know something about like Northern Michigan. It's like the Van Damme stuff was not in rotation in, in the uh, like Saturday afternoon movie for some reason. I, I never really came across these things. That's weird. That's bizarre. Cause, cause, yeah. And, and I don't know, but the cyborg is a movie I've seen Multi, probably one of the Van Dams I've seen the most, and I guess it should. I, I don't really recall it showing up on TV a lot, but there's nowhere else I could have seen it, so it, it must have. Mm-hmm. I feel like for a year or two, like there was this period where after the cartoons would play, and then you get to that, there's like that that period around like 11 a.m. noon, where then they're like, okay, afternoon movie time, and it was always either cyborg or blood sport. Like they would just rotate between those two. And like, that was it. Like one channel, that was the only two that they would play. And then the other channel would always be some dumb, like John Wayne movies. So basically my early film education was me trying to watch cyborg and my dad trying to wrestle the remote away so we could watch like some fucking Z grade John Wayne, like the war wagon or something like that's that. A, that's a shame because I mean, we talk cyborg. One of my things coming away from this is this is probably the, maybe the closest Van Damme ever came to remaking the searchers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By close ish. It's kind of there, but it's definitely a Western uh, more than any other. I, I don't know what genre you would describe cyborg being in other than underfunded. But Western is maybe mm-hmm. the closest thing it is. Samurai movie? Sa- yeah, <laughs> like it's in that it's in that vicinity. It's God's own like lonely warrior or whatever. Uh but yeah, it's it's I mean, so Jack, I've been doing this thing where uh the last couple of weeks I've I've been trying to uh, raise our listener numbers by just uh being a provocateur here. Sure. And the way that I do that is by saying um, you know, B movie that we have watched is better than, you know, fancy movie that you like person probably listening. Nice. And then I create this, this, you know, thing for them to get angry at. And then presumably they, they subscribe to our podcast and really enjoy it. So my, my one for this week, are you ready? Go. Uh, yeah. Cyborg. Uh, a lot better than uh, Yo Jimbo. Am I right, boys? <laughs> How's that sound? I, I will fight you, like that? you Steve. <laughs> Try that one on. Try that one on. I guess the question is, is like Mad Max post-apocalypse genre? Because that's what this is. I I don't know. I guess we have to consult with like Scott Derrickson on this one. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I got to play the trailer. We watch Cyborg. Welcome to the world of the not-too-distant future. Get going! Go! 
A brutal gang is reshaping the world into their own vision of hell. And only one man can stop them. Jean-Claude Van Damme is leading the battle between good and evil. Take them out. Man, that little, that little like, panpipe thing there, it's almost like that Return to Innocence <laughs> song. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, from uh, Pure Moose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even remember who did that, but yeah. I just waited some like Indian like or Native American like throat singing thing to like cut in in the middle. Return to Innocence. Is, is Vincent... <laughs> Klein, I'm assuming his name is pronounced Klein, Klein. I, I mean, I he's been in other things. He's in Point Break. I, I don't really remember him in there, but... Are you talking surfers. about Fender Tremolo? Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm talking about Fender Tremolo. That that can't... Po- th- that's not his voice, correct? They're fucking with his voice. They must be. That can't possibly be his voice. I, I don't know. I, I think he... Is he I, War Child? Or he's one of the, like, antagonist surfers in, in Point Break. Yeah. Um... I don't really call I mean, he they, they probably fuck with his voice a little bit, but also, I mean, he he only has two or three lines. There's that opening monologue, and then everything else he says is variations on on this. <laughs> like he does more boise than anyone <laughs> in the history of cinema. I mean, he sounds like uh, the 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 fucking the the rabbits, the rabbits from from like Mario versus Rabbit. Do you know what I'm ta- you know what I'm talking about, right, Mario? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're these little. We're, I'm going to get a clip of this because I didn't get one because I just thought of this. I'm going to send you a clip. You can put it in right here. This is a rabid. And they just go, blah! And then there's fat ones that go, blah! And that's... <laughs> that's the same noise. It's a rabid. It just sounds as Man, if it must, must be down-pitched. Like, it just... It's I'm so ridiculous. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean... This, uh, can I, uh, just to throw it out there, I really like this movie. This is one of these movies that I always thought was, like, weird, but... At the or, sorry, I guess this this movie always just felt like like a Van Damme action movie. Watching it as a kid and a teenager and growing up, but it was really the older I get, the more I realize this is a weird movie. Like this movie doesn't make a lot mm-hmm. of sense in any context. It's I don't think I I didn't know how weird it was. Yeah, honestly, it up like on you. like like you said, a, as a kid you don't notice it, but also I think it's because. I'm pretty sure this week is the first time that I've watched Cyborg like as a, a movie straight through, not some TV cut. And the TV cut of this, it, it it removes a bunch of the we're just walking around stuff that takes up a large portion of this film. And then the way that it stitches it together in its two hour TV runtime or whatever, it's it's all just the fighting and the action and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's it's bizarre how slow and methodical Cyborg is. what I'm saying. Is. Like it's it's it remind me of a western. It, it, there's kind of like two very unexpected touch points I have for this film. Really, are like Stalker, the Tarkovsky movie, and <laughs> The Searchers, the the John Wayne John Ford film. Yeah, and it does it hits on both of those. They even refer specifically to the zone. I think within this movie. Uh, and I mean, it's yeah. Well, it, it helps that it was uh, it was filmed in like Yugoslavia too. So it was just like <laughs> there you go, just a couple of abandoned factories. Yeah, it's pretty much just a couple of like the only sets in it. Yeah, are just a couple of like uh, decayed buildings and just like rebar sticking everywhere. But um, it, it yeah, it's like there's a zone. It's and it's the main character Van Dam is basically. 
I mean, there's a cyborg in the movie, but it doesn't really matter. It's like uh, it's mm-hmm. such a thinly veiled story element. Uh, it's really Van Damme versus this other guy, and it's really seems like it's Van Damme wrestling against himself. It's like a man battling evil. Uh, it's almost like I mean, it's the kind of movie that almost could could end with it turning out that it was all in his imagination. It's it's almost like a mythical quest for one man to to usurp, uh, you know, or reclaim a world that's been usurped by evil. But it's really just an internal kind of a, a quest for him. But then they kind of throw in a cyborg he has to accompany to save the world because she has the cure to a plague. Um, yeah, except he doesn't even accompany her. <laughs> Yeah, no, she specifically tells him not to because he's too weak, which is a bit of a burn, frankly. Uh, she goes with the bad guy, with the with the other guy. Uh, it's I guess it's worth pointing out, uh, we should expect this movie to be kind of weird because this film came from, this started off originally, as, to the best of my understanding, as a kind of a save, a, a saving move from two other film productions falling apart. Uh, so there was originally mm-hmm. Canon had proposed to make a sequel to the Dolph Lundgren Masters of the Universe film. And then also somehow, and I, I honestly do not know how this fits into the mix, but also a Spider-Man movie. And somehow both of those projects folded, probably because who the hell would want to watch either of them? And Albert Pugh... Yugoslavian <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> now I want to know who Fender Tremolo was meant to be in the Masters of the Universe. Who like knows? or something? God, who knows? I mean, and, and so it, it was basically this whole project was rescued from this collapsed... I get, like, I can certainly see this in the context of an of, of a kind of like a botched or like a, a kind of redu- like refabricated Masters of the Universe film. I don't know how Spider-Man fits into mm-hmm. it. There's nothing in this that looks like it would be a Spider-Man movie. Well, you're forgetting a third crucial element here, Jack, which is uh, allegedly... When Albert Pune took this like weird Frankenstein skeleton of a movie to turn it into the masterpiece that we watched, uh, originally it was supposed to be a rock opera. Yes, which may actually explain the uh, the Fender tremolo. Learning that Gibson Rickenbacker. Yeah, everyone's named after music. And Pearl <laughs> Prophet is the cyborg. So that's Marshall yeah, Strat. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, all those guys, all God. your favorite characters are brought together in Cyborg, the very successful motion picture. At learning that it was meant to be a rock opera is, I think, absolutely the key to understanding this film because mm-hmm. Pune intended to be a rock opera originally and the producers were like no so he just he kind of made one anyway there's this intensity to the scenes like I mean you talk about the main bad guy all he does is just stand there and scream and the camera just like dollies yeah. in on him um, it's, oh. it's, except for when he takes off his sunglasses oh, yeah. then you know he really means business <laughs> or, yeah just off uh, yeah it <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's it's just such a strange film but it has this kind of very unique energy to it it's kind of like it's very slow as you mentioned it's pretty much like mm-hmm. the, it's an incredibly reserved film a lot of it is it's like a road movie it's uh Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of traveling with this other woman he meets to try and catch up with the the bad guy and the cyborg he's bringing uh, he basically wants to uh, bring the cyborg in, but he really plans to kind of take over the world. It's like a fallen world, but the cyborg holds the cure to the thing, and the cyborg thinks that 
once she gets where she needs to be, the scientists who were going to work on her will be able to take care of the other guy. And they never get into really the politics of this. We never find out what really happens because Van Damme intervenes and overcomes evil by kicking him repeatedly uh, until he stops, which is the only way to defeat evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just there, there's such a pitched energy to this. It is, like I say, it's in watching it now, I realize this house strange this film is it's like nothing else well i mean it's it's a little like something else uh something that stars <laughs> mel gibson there's <laughs> a little mad max to it yeah yeah just just a smidge only in the like sector i mean sure but like it's like mad max but like in a completely different language and a different species <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I was getting a lot of it in the flashbacks. It was almost like this movie had like the thrusts of the Road Warrior, except they just like kept in, inserting like the first film as flashbacks. Yeah, or something I, of that nature. I like, can see it, that. It but is very strange. To, to me, those flashbacks. I mean, obviously there there's that kind of like uh, definitely Mad Max is a is a touch point but I mean they're shot to me almost like a, a like say a western there's a lot of shots of kind of characters shot from the back kind of in scenes of nature and they're these are the only real scenes of nature that are like uh what would you say uh like kind of pleasant and relaxed everything else is shot in nature but it's all strewn with rubble and, and stuff um so it kind of reminded me of like I say a western generally in terms of a kind of a guy trying to reconcile the loss of kind of a high mat uh, kind of like whole peaceful home existence um and then coupled with the the fact that he is the one of the the henchman's girls is used to be a girl like i don't know what relationship she was i guess with the woman that van damme used to love is her daughter and she is now with the bad guy and there's that kind of like question of a tainted child and whether she's gone effectively gone native but in this case has gone with the respectable psycho guy uh whatever whatever mm-hmm. clan he's with um it's it's a, a strange intersection of references like the energy in this is nothing like a mad max movie to me um you know no. it's 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 something else and i think it is much closer to kind of like a western interspersed with kung fu there's just God. There's so many things that are, are going on here. Like you can tell that the film was just chopped to shit because allegedly um, Jean Claude Van Damme wasn't happy with it, so he did some re-editing to make the fight scenes pop some more. Um, Albert Pune's original vision was was taken away from him. This was cobbled together from Masters of the Universe and Spider-Man sets. Also, I, I, I don't know where I read this, but apparently um, it, it, our boy Albert was working on like a remake of Johnny Guitar and he used part of that script to <laughs> <laughs> do this. <laughs> and then it originally got an X rating, so they had to cut it down more to get it to R, Oosh. which then I'm thinking, how do you get an X rating in this? And maybe it's because I don't know. Jean Claude Van Damme literally has a crucifixion scene because he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a, an especially violent film. That's very strange. I wonder. No, it's editing. pretty chill. You can tell the editing in the score, like that. The I mean, I get if you want to say no to rock opera, but at least keep that sort of energy in in the scoring. And instead, they just put on this like horrible generic 
like low budget 80s score a huge thing. weakness mm-hmm. to cyborg um and it's worth mentioning there's a separate edition of this available that albert pune returned to to create something closer to his own vision which kind of restores some of these elements but the main weakness mm-hmm. in cyborg as a finished film um it doesn't exactly feel like it's compromised to what pune wanted because frankly what pune later created in his own edit is not ex- not exactly more traditional or more sensible exactly and the, mm. you know they're, they're they're honestly the dna is still very similar between the two of them but what cyborg lacks more than anything else is the score is just absolute garbage it's like just a weedly little midi keyboard thing while these guys are all screaming at each other in a grand battle for the fate of humanity it it's absolutely like it really really kind of like ties the film up really limits its impact it's like how do you make Mm -hmm. it i mean i get you're putting a temp track on this it seems like what they did but for god's sakes every character is named after a fucking guitar let's utilize the guitar in the damn score it's like no no we gotta have this fucking nonsense i i i don't know i'm very interested to watch his version because again i you can feel studio interference on this one at every step of the way to me. And that even goes so far as the title. Like, what the fuck does this movie have any business being called Cyborg? And I, well, <laughs> well, there is. There's one Cyborg. Yeah, That's, who I, I guess is. is sort of uh, like a MacGuffin. But uh, again, it's just it doesn't conjure up the image of what this film is meant sure. to be. Yeah, I, I think like. Slinger is Pune's version of the film. He retitled it, uh, which I guess contextualizes it more that it's about Jean. A slinger is basically a stalker in the zone, <laughs> if you want to mm-hmm. keep to that kind of vernacular. But um, his retitling of his version as Slinger at least acknowledges that the film is all about Van Damme. It's not about the cyborg, yeah. who frankly is barely even visible for most of the film and kind of doesn't really matter what she's doing. Um, but yeah, yeah I, she's not even the female lead of the film. <laughs> that's true. She's she's the second female lead after another woman who Van Damme just meets up with, who just kind of hangs out with him and then dies tragically in in the end in a scene that honestly you could blink and miss. It doesn't register emotionally at all. <laughs> which you know feels like it feels like it should, but it turns out she's just kind of like a a loss leader for for Van Damme's emotional recovery sad state of affairs <laughs> um but yeah i guess i guess the the in in comparing both versions i guess what is over like really apparent is that whatever pyun wanted to do doesn't fit easily into marketing strategies or or obvious marketing strategies which i think is a problem mm-hmm. he encountered a lot in his movies his movies are odd they're they're very much kind of like pop pastiche a lot of things i mean like he really made way um earlier on with films like radioactive dreams which is kind of like literally about fucking american ninja himself michael dudikov uh, and another guy coming out of a, a bunker it's like fallout basically they they've been in, they grew up in a bunker during a nuclear explosion and they come out into the world to explore and they grew up reading like uh, like you know Raymond Chandler novels and stuff and they're named Philip Marlowe and so I can't they, they each share like two detectives names but split between both characters um, and they basically they're like you know 50s 
kind of tough guys. That's how they see themselves. And then they're in like an 80s inspired, uh, like radioactive fallout world. And it's like that strange pop culture kind of pastiche of all these things. And it's a really entertaining film. It's a really interesting film. And Vicious Lips, the movie he made after that, is again, it's like an 80s power pop. It's like Gem and the Holograms, but like almost turned into <laughs> like a, a an internal like quest for the quest for kind of self-knowledge. It's it's a, a surprisingly uh, interior looking again movie that's basically about like a girl band flying through space with a monster in their spaceship. Um. He so he he's just a guy who I think has ideas that he rarely has the money for, um, and so mm-hmm. his films just always end up being kind of somewhere in between what he wanted, and he his sensibilities are high concept enough that they kind of shirk off genre or easy genre comparisons, and then I think it spooks the mm-hmm. producers, and the producers are like we're just gonna take this back and finish it off, and that he just has a. A kind of a string of films that are not exactly the film he wanted to release. Yeah, I, I will say though, as as a director who you know he he's someone who, like you said, is constantly reaching just a little bit too far. Is overly ambitious. Most directors, when they get in this situation, we, God, we've watched so many low budget films that do this, where you could tell that the, the concept it's way too high concept. There's way 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 too little money and it totally falls flat on its face and you're like why did you do this in the first place Albert Pune's interesting because he doesn't quite get there but with the tiny budgets that he has he gets really really close yeah <laughs> and that's it's... just I don't know it's it's really impressive to me how close he almost he's almost there <laughs> and a lot of people dog on Cyborg and I don't I don't get it like yeah it's slow and it's chopped to hell and it's it's certainly strange and not what you expect if you're trying to throw on a Van Damme action movie. I think it's great. Like honestly, it's it's one of my favorite Van Damme movies. Um and before it was one of my favorites just because it meant so much to me as a small child, but now rewatching I'm like this is it's legit. Yeah. It's not just nostalgia kind of, you know. I totally I totally agree with you, Steve, and and I would add that I feel this falls into you know, I've always I've long held that Van Damme has not really got his dues as, as a, an, a gigging actor and as someone who has just enough clout to decide who he works with. And that honestly, I mean, Van Damme never hit the heights of Schwarzenegger, certainly. But on just underneath Schwarzenegger, Van Damme kind of carved out a pretty remarkable career out of being the guy who does the big spinning kick. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's worked with, he, he worked with, you know, Soy Hawk and with uh, Ringo Lam. And he, honestly, his work, this working with Albert Pugh is also like a really fascinating film. And maybe he didn't like it at the time, but I think it certainly stands out as like a very distinctive film. And I think it, above all else, I guess, anyone who watches Cyborg, you may like it, you may not like it. But I think undeniably, it's not a run of the mill action film you know it's it's definitely its own yeah. thing yeah i'm oh, a little sure. lower on it i i wouldn't go so far as to say I, I think it's great i i think it has greatness in it i i, I speak of the crucifixion scene i think that's where the movie really hits its pitch for me and uh it, it's really working but um after that I, I don't know i think it doesn't exactly stick the landing and a lot of that may be in the re-edit i'm, I'm very interested to 
to watch Slinger, which we will be doing later. But uh, uh, you know, honestly, Adam, funny thing, Slinger is probably the back half is closer to Cyborg than the first half. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the back half; it's just that very climax, which is just it's just Klein, just sorry, I hit the blah button, shirtless and uh, fucking oiled up and screaming, and uh, it's sort of that's right. Not not very well choreographed fight scene to end the thing. There is some good action choreography mm-hmm. in this film. It's just more in the, in the front half, I would say. I want to know how many weeks in a row are we going to have a podcast where we're talking about at least one movie with an oiled up hunk <laughs> fighting people. Steve, if we make our choices wisely, we never have to stop. That's Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, because uh, I'd, I'd like to keep this beefcake streak going. So, uh, fingers crossed... <laughs> Although looking at the schedule, we may hit a, a bump next week. I'm not sure. <laughs> Depends on and how far you could stretch the definition of beefcake, I suppose. But um, anyways, uh, I guess, you know, I didn't realize this before, but uh, part of the joy of doing this podcast is I, I learned new things like, hey, did you know that there were two sequels to Cyborg, but also Albert Pune did his own sequels to cyborg but they aren't the official sequels and did you know the second one was also angelina jolie's first real starring role these are all things that i learned from uh cyborg 2 the what's the subtitle the glass glass the glass shadow yeah the glass shadow shadow imagine the perfect thinking machine the cutting edge of counter espionage technology in a humanoid robotics application Imagine the perfect loving machine. Human in almost every respect. Our very best. Imagine the perfect killing machine. Peak condition, top of the line. Now, imagine they are all the same. Damn, you know, listening to that trailer, I'm just like, I can't believe that they they made a movie about me in 1993. That's so wild. (laughs) But, the whole trailer is like, imagine a hot lady. And it's, okay, yeah. well, done. Where do we, where do we go from here? Imagine boobs that do murder. <laughs> it's just, okay, <laughs> thinking about it. Uh, yeah, so this movie, uh, The Glass Shadow, Cyborg 2. Glass Shadow is some juice that you put in your robots, and then when you fuck the robot, it explodes. It's amazing there's an entire subgenre of, of cult films that are about exploding sexy ladies. Um, because there's at yeah. least one Ilsa the She-Wolf movie with the exact same plot. I think it's the one with the oil mm-hmm. sheeps. I don't quite remember. I've tried to scrub my memory of those films. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing thing. This is, um, like I said, Angelina Jolie's uh, debut role. And uh, I, I sympathize greatly with her. I was telling Adam beforehand, um, I, I kind of looked into some of her comments on this movie. She's not asked about this movie a lot. Surprise, surprise. That's but, a shame. One, well, she hasn't been on our show that's yet. That's true. Yeah, she, come on down. <laughs> but I, I thought it was kind of kind of touching, kind of endearing that apparently she has said about this movie that she really enjoyed everything about this film up until she actually sat down and watched it. <laughs> that was when she realized. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's what I made. And then, and then she realized <laughs> that, like, you know, all the excitement of your first movie and you're showing up and you're doing things and everything's coming together and mm-hmm. you're like, you know, hitting your marks and learning your lines and interacting with all these other people. And this movie is a pretty stacked cast. It's it's not full of nobodies. Um, and then yeah. at the end of all that to realize, spoiler alert, that uh, Cyborg 2 kind of sucks. It stinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It sucks. It's weird because it it does have a, a stat cast, like you said. I mean, there's uh, you got uh, Elias Kotis, who he's been in a million different things. Angelina Jolie. You got Jack Palance. You got Billy Drago. Like, there's real people in this movie. And budget-wise, I have no idea how much this costs to make, but I can tell you by the look of it, it looks a lot more expensive than the original Cyborg. So there's there's money here, and Angelina Jolie is doing her damnedest. Um, you've got all these great character actors, and literally the opening scene is an exploding sex robot, and somehow it's boring as shit. No one, I don't understand. No one can it. explain why the whole like the the supposed plot of this is basically that there's two competing cyborg companies, one in America and one in Japan, and the one in America has basically developed this idea that they're going to make a sexy cyborg. Uh, an injector full of glass shadow, this liquid explosive that's undetectable somehow, mm-hmm. and then they're going to send her basically into the boardroom of the Japanese competitors' company, and she's going to blow up and kill <laughs> yeah. all of them. Well, their sex powers, yeah. and then and then yeah. they'll they'll do that. But then they spend the rest of the movie, or at least the next chunk of the movie, talking about how she's like this advanced prototype with all this extra advanced capability, and it's kind of like. Why? They're just going to blow her up. It doesn't make any sense. And we'll get as... Yeah, why would you... As we get down the line... <laughs> it's literally a walking bomb. It turns, why would you add anything? You know, we'll, 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 get, we'll get there down the line. But in part three, this cyborg gets pregnant. What, you know, uh-huh. it's like, how how do we... Rub, it's, it just doesn't make sense. They build this super extra special. Uh, and and to, make, to clarify, it is, it is very heavily clarified almost to the point of, of ludicrousness within uh, cyborg 2 that sex robots are definitely like a very normal thing in this world at this point um, yeah so yeah just send the just send a basic model one in you're just gonna blow her up what does it matter mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense like why would you spend you know like would you spend half a mil on a bentley if you knew you were just gonna you know fucking drive it into a, a I don't know. It's a boardroom and blow it up. There's it's it's a robot. It's a tool. It's a you're gonna you're making a bomb. It's a bomb with with breasts. Just get it out there. Just have it do its little sexy moves to get into the boardroom and then blow it up. I mean, uh, again, we're we're talking about not cyborgs here, though, right? I, I mean, at least the first movie had a cyborg in it. This movie's just yeah. about fucking robots. I mean, maybe the third <laughs> yeah, movie would robots. make sense with the pregnancy if it were indeed a cyborg, but there's no human element here. Is wait now? I'm trying to remember. No, it's, it's a robot. So a cyborg is half man, half machine, and yeah, an android. And an yeah. And yeah. So yeah, yeah. These, these are androids. Yes, yeah. androids. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now that's uh, that's a bit of an oversight. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, you got egg on your face, uh, Michael Schroeder. Well, well, the script is, director is, of Cyborg Two. It's preposterously stupid. Like that's this movie is. Oh yeah. Well acted enough, but the script is just dog shit. Like why? How am I supposed to take this movie seriously when you name your company Pinwheel for fucking God knows why? Mm-hmm. And again, if your central premise is about these two competing companies, one of them is not featured in the film at all. Like once this, uh, you know, cyborg quote unquote is on the loose and we have these two competing uh, hitmen essentially who are out to capture like bounty hunters and, uh, so you and know, logically, runners. you would say, "Oh, one's one's been sent by 
the Japanese and one's been sent by our good friends at Pinwheel. But no, they have both been sent by our good friends at Pinwheel. <laughs> and in fact, get into a gunfight with each other, even though they're on the same side. <laughs> It's just, there's no thought put into this script. It is just gobbledygook. No. And a lot of the dialogue is just horrible. The best horrible. The- oh, it's it's 100% like dumb guy thinks he's smart and writes a movie too. Like this is absolute fucking nerd 90s cyberpunk bullshit. It really stuck um, out to me with uh, Kateas. He got stuck. It is the scene where Drago and the uh, competing uh, hit person, which I believe is Karen Shepard. Karen Shepard, yeah. Karate champion. They're in this gunfight, and Karen Shepard says to him, Cyborg envy or human envy? What is worse? And A, that already is dog shit. It makes no sense. It is not applicable to anything that's happening on the screen. But then Elias Kateus goes, I don't know, penis envy? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to shut this up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the overarching plot of this essentially is... Um, the cyborg is hot, and what if a guy decided to just go and go his own way and bone a cyborg? And that's yeah. pretty much the guiding principle of the entire film. Um, what the, I mean, the, the whole reason he gets into this mess is because Jack he gets slipped a note. He gets slipped a note that says, like, to meet the cyborg in a lab, meet Angelina Jolie, and then... Jack Palance appears on his on his TV and is just like, oh, you got a little rendezvous. Are you excited for that? And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> just Jack sure, really mouth. excited. Yeah, just Jack Palance's mouth on the on the screen, like video drone shit, talking to him. But before he goes, he he asks, he's like, computer, what is the penalty for uh, pork and a cyborg? And the computer's just like, the penalty is ba 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 life in prison. And he's just like, okay, yep, definitely gonna do this. Ready, ready to. <laughs> He's <laughs> just that desperate to bone Angelina Jolie that he's just yep, life in prison is totally a risk that's that's worth it. But all this it just yeah, just boils down to just wants to bang. That's it. Yeah. The the I think like watching this film, it it's kind of hard to explain because it is actually like you mentioned, Steve, it, it looks expensive. I don't it wasn't expensive, but mm-hmm. it's shot quite stylishly. It's got a lot of like interesting expressionist lighting and shadows and kind of interplay of light and dark and Dutch angles and kind of like there you know, a, a fair amount of effort has gone in successfully to create kind of attractive frames. Like honestly, this movie looks better than like a Marvel superhero movie. Like it's got better fundamentals of cinematography than any of those things. Um mm. but honestly the and I don't know how hard this or how well this reference comes in, but this this movie reminded me of those uh, like full motion video games that were like super popular at like the end of the nineties and the early two thousands. They were like, "This is the future yep. of video gaming." It's like a six CD game that basically it's just point and click and it just plays videos endlessly and we get like Christopher Walken or some other person to like star in it and it's going to be huge and the game sucked shit and they and they were like really just clunky kind of garbage games but this reminds me enormously like that except without even the interactivity but it has that kind of like kind of quality production um where it's kind of like interesting enough looking but it just goes yep. slow it's like like this is a painfully slow moving film yeah 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 uh, there's like there's a, a game I think it's from like 1994 or 1995 so right around this period but uh, it's literally called Hell a Cyberpunk Thriller 
and it's got like Dennis <laughs> Hopper in it. Yeah, and there was. It's it's the same as this movie, except I guess you get to click on a few things, but you know. But that's, yeah, it, that's it's about just it. got that like that that achingly slow kind of like like just like the whole thing feels like it's be like moving through treacle. Like there's just this kind of laborious energy. Like the whole movie just feels like it just can't move. And, it, you know, mm. and like, honestly, it's almost like tiring to watch the film that you're just sort of like, you're just like, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, let's speed it up, let's do it. And it's just, it can't, it just never winds up to anything. I, yeah. I mean, the, the yep. last, we'll say 20 minutes of this thing are pretty fun, I would say. Like, yeah, Drago I mean, really gets unleashed and when they're having their big, like, fan fight to the death and... Yeah, and then we actually get Jack Palance on set. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, because the they finally really start like up. just shooting things. Like it's an action movie, have explosions. Yeah. Like, but they finally figure that out right at the end. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> but yeah, leading up to that, like you you get the exploding sex robot in the beginning, and then there's once they first make their escape, there's like a five minute action sequence and then it's just horse shit for it's a like, solid it's, it's hour like, yeah it's like fucking dollar store blade runner for the rest like for many yeah. many minutes and it is interesting to look at how you know there's no connection aesthetically between this and cyborg you know there it's a sequel mm-hmm. absolutely in name only there there is a sequence where uh, angelina jolie is because uh, uh, jack Palance's character is called mercy and he's like a hacker and he like he sets the motions in event or sets events events in motion, and he like I don't know if he like hacks Angelina Jolie particularly, but he he opens a line of communication with her and starts talking about how she needs to find a hero to help her. And then there's like intercut with flashbacks from Cyborg of like Van Damme just you know like mm-hmm. jumping around and stuff. Um, I don't understand how she needs a hero like it's the kind of things like you know you're an amazing kick-ass cyborg you need to find a human man to help you you know to <laughs> defeat an army of, of armed people it's like i feel like it's probably she should be good on that on her own but it's that's the climax too like why the fuck is elias cote is the one who's put into the death match but like, you got a fucking death <laughs> robot here why don't we fucking have you join yeah, the why don't we do that it's like Oh no, we gotta have a go taste. She's she's a delicate a delicate little dewdrop who can also apparently crush people, but never does. Um, I, I would say like the 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 two pros of this film, I would say, are firstly Billy Drago uh, as Adam. I know you mentioned prior to this, like definitely he is the he's having fun here. He's being big and broad and theatrical mm. and kind of chewing the scenery as like this psychotic hitman, like Blade Runner character who just kind of is like a, a psychotic narcissist. And, you know, he's, he's just loves the chase and everything. He's having fun. The other plus of this, honestly, is Angelina Jolie, I think, who, if nothing else, um, what I was struck by this, and I, I'm trying to think when she came to my attention, you know, as as an actress, and I guess it was probably like towards the late '90s, and I guess when like Girl Interrupted, um, mm-hmm. around that era, and oh, and um, oh, Hackers, I guess, yeah, um, you know, that's kind of I guess when she came to my attention, but like here she is just kind of like as much as people might scoff at like in terms of the film quality like she's like marlena dietrich she is just this incredible statuesque beauty she is just Mm -hmm. like absolutely just the camera is 
enraptured with her. She is just such an unusual, interesting looking person in a film. Yeah. She is like the only thing that makes this film watchable for large stretches. Just honestly, just to look at her and just kind of consider the way she looks on camera and the light catches her. It's just one of those like weird alchemies of, of cinema that it's just sort of like, you know, this is a good film because it just photographs an interesting person looking interesting. Everything else is just kind of like nonsense. Yeah. Well, I guess exactly. I, I guess we can't overlook Palance either. He's he's when he's not being featured, when this Mercy character is not interacting with them, the movie just fucking falls down a pit. It's he keeps the thing afloat, really, even though he's just. A, doing like a max headroom thing where he probably didn't yeah. even have to be on set at <laughs> fucking all for this but he's the only narrative thrust in the film like without mercy yeah. the film can't go forward um and then i you know but honestly by the time it got to like his discussion of like here's his backstory i think i'd kind of checked out i was kind of like i just i don't know what i'm doing here um so it's like there's like a period where they meet up with him and um tracy walter is in here too who's also like just another great like just a guy i like to see on screen you know tracy walter is always like enlivens what he's in what he's in and you know he shows up and like this movie has solid working elements and it just overall does not translate into a watchable movie and um, but he shows up and then we have this whole thing about like here let's explain mercy's past and i was kind of like i don't fucking care anymore it's just just he has such a stop. generic past too it's like oh he's a war hero and then he got shot so <laughs> oh i'm lying then i i suppose there is a cyborg in cyborg too it is in fact jack palance ah. he was <laughs> That's a true they he was a war hero who was uh saved by being made into a cyborg there you go Perfect. All right, they we say, solved the mystery. <laughs> Great. Although, I mean, we we only had one cyborg in the original cyborg. I was hoping for at least two in the second one, but you know, I, I can't have it all. I guess. <laughs> oh well, God. So, so, so uh, goes. yeah, that's there's there's really there's there's not a lot going on here. I, I guess if you're an Angelina Jolie completionist or a cyborg completionist, maybe you know. This yeah, is checking out. And but. towards the end, there's like this grand attempt at like a grand romance where Elias Codius and, and Angelina Jolie move to the desert and fall in love with each other, and he grows old and she doesn't, and it's accomplishing this really awkward dissolve with like the shittiest old man makeup. Elias Codius ages by having his face melt. <laughs> basically, that, yeah, that, the, the romance ending is very, very strange. And, and yeah, and it doesn't fit. Right before that, Jack Palance is like blowing up fools with like a fucking rocket launcher. When he finally like reveals himself from the the computer screen, he's just like, you know, shooting all these soldiers. And we get what I would estimate is either the best or the dumbest line in the history of cinema. So uh, he utters these words: "If you want to dine with the devil." need a long spoon and i'd like to know what that means <laughs> because i'm not sure thoughts. we've been trying to parse this like i i'm wondering if it's a the spoon is meant to transcend the earthly realm into the, the hell below or i i'm not entirely sure what the purpose of the long spoon is i'm going with a simpler interpretation that perhaps if you are dining with the devil you would want a long spoon so you sit further away from the devil generally at this dining event is 
Does that work? Is what that helpful? Well, you're not using the, the spoon to like separate yourself. Yeah, it's are like we... a buffet with the devil. <laughs> it's a communal <laughs> bowl. <laughs> the, the devil's communal soup bowl. We have a communal borscht <laughs> in hell. Wherein we are using our long spoons so we don't have to get too close to Satan at his own dinner party. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you're at a dinner party with Satan, something has already gone badly wrong. But Jack Palance knows. I mean, was there like a, there's no setup to this either. It's not like, who is the devil in this scenario? Is, is Palance describing himself as the devil? Did any, was anyone really clamoring to dine with him in a metaphorical sense? No, the, 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 this, this line, like I, to, to clarify for him, listen, this line does not build on any imagery established within the film. No. It is completely isolated. Just, he just shouts it and then he shoots a grenade at some, some army men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be one thing if, like, the head of the army men was like, and I challenge you, Mercy, and then maybe you could follow it up with a dumb line like that. But really, there was no direct <laughs> challenge issued to you, Jack Balance. <laughs> no. I feel like he, he had just been sitting on that one for a long time, and he just had to pull it out in that moment. All but... the imagery of, like, actual Jack Palance cracks me the fuck up in this movie, because he's... It, it Basically, he's not in the movie. It's just his mouth on a screen, but when they cut to him like three quarters of the way through it, he's just like bathed in blue light. And his face is like flashing over this picture of his long dead wife. And it's just such unearned bullshit. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's colossally stupid. Um, God, this movie. I don't know if, if there was like a 20 minute super cut of this that included the Jack Balance line and, and like 15 of the 20 minutes was just. The, the from the third act of the movie I, I would watch that but as it stands it's not a lot here yeah i feel like honestly if this the probably the website that like got the most mileage out of this is like mr skin that's pretty like there's mm -hmm. a sex scene with angelina jolie where she goes topless <laughs> and frankly that's probably like the only notable part of this film for just internet perverts that's about it yeah there's more screenshots of Cyborg 2 out there. I'm on IMDb and I've grown even more confused because a review cites this as the fourth film in the Cyborg slash Nemesis franchise. I'm like, God damn those it. Are two separate, those are two separate franchises. I think, uh, uh, to my understanding, and I haven't watched the Nemesis films yet, which are all Albert Pune films by, you know, the man who made Cyborg 1. But uh, I did, I believe I read somewhere that Cyborg 2 does rip off narrative elements from Nemesis. But as far as I'm aware, like, they're, oh, they're separate, separate groupings of films um this isn't like a, oh. um, uh, maybe it is just like one of the the demons uh, franchise in italy where just fucking random films become demons movies these are great directors pushing their art out and it's just films in conversation with other films it's it's really like <laughs> it doesn't get any better <laughs> if this film is in conversation with anything i'd like god it's a like the worst bergman film just the most boring conversation you could imagine so long drawn out <laughs> nothing <laughs> well uh i guess cyborg 2 was such a big smashing success <laughs> that uh michael schroeder said to himself boy we should do another one of these and someone was just like uh yeah sure angelina jolie's a, a real star now so she's out but uh here's here's twenty dollars go make cyborg 3 the recycler this is cyborg 3 
Christine Hodge. Zach Gallagher. Richard Lynch. Malcolm McDowell. Could you polish this one? Cyborg Free. This time, it's a fight to the death. Hell yeah. Right, it, so it was a fight to the death in Cyborg 2 as well. That's Cyborg and, uh, yeah, like that that's like the end of Cyborg 1 and the end of Cyborg 2 are both fights to the death. That's like what This one has has <laughs> actually time. not not so much of an actual uh one-on-one fight to the death in this one. <laughs> and I no. now that I've been thinking about this whole Cyborg scenario, I I must say this movie does deliver on having Multiple cyborgs, I believe. I, I think Malcolm yep. McDowell and uh, the titular recycler are are both technically cyborgs, right? They they are. And um, saying this movie uh, also stars Malcolm McDowell, it does technically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd say they had him for like three hours tops. He shows <laughs> up, uh, has a quick conversation with the eponymous recycler played by Michael Lynch, the actor's name. Great, Richard like. Lynch. Richard Lynch, sorry, yeah, who's who's a, a he's one of those guys who just shows up in fucking weird movies, and he's always a pleasure to watch because he normally plays like a sleazy, awful person, and he does it really well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's, I bet he was the nicest person in real life. I feel like that's the way it always works out. But um, yeah, Malcolm McDowell shows up, has one conversation with him, and then the recycler hits him. And then it moves on to the next scene, and it's kind of like, okay, I guess my, Malcolm McDowell will be coming back later. I mean, the guy just hit him or whatever, it'll be fine. He never shows up again. He was, never he was shows killed, up. He's done. apparently. Uh, he's and just he set gone. up like he's the big bad, right? Like, yeah. You yeah. think that he's, like, the guy. I thought the recycler, yeah, I didn't think the recycler, at that, it's a real twisteroo. I thought the recycler was, like, going to be, like, a sidekick character to uh, the returning <laughs> cash. But You can't, you can't yeah. call the guy, like, Lord Talon and then have him fucking <laughs> like within the first 10 minutes of the movie i thought it was pretty ballsy of the recycler to like knock him out and then immediately like not leave the area just like go shopping <laughs> like 10 feet away I'm that's like, what he i goes to like a strip club <laughs> to just vibe with a weird like man face like it looks like the uh who, who's who's the cop from police academy that makes all the the noises and the sound effects michael winslow uh, yeah, Michael Winslow. There's like a Michael Winslow slot machine that's like trying to sexually entice the recycler. <laughs> that's right. It's like the, the the grim future of cybernetics is basically like a man-shaped pinball machine that talks to you. Yeah. That's... <laughs> which which honestly, you know what? As I as I recount that, it's is pretty fucked up. Uh, it's it's worth noting. So this this is um, Cyborg Three. He sees Michael Schroeder, the director of Cyborg Two, return. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie otherwise has as little to do with Cyborg 2 as Cyborg 2 had to do with Cyborg 1, despite having the same lead character, this time recast. Uh, they couldn't get yeah. Ashley and Jolie back. Oh, she best recast job films. ever. <laughs> well, they got a real <laughs> fucking body double right here. It's, it... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> what, what, the thing is, it's like, Christine Hodge, who the fuck is that? I was trying to think, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the curly-haired girl from Head of the Class. Yep. <laughs> That's who they got to replace Angelina Jolie. 
So yeah, close enough. Good enough. And fuck, Jesus, you, the... you didn't you probably didn't have head of the class in Ireland, did you? Uh you know what? I think we did. <laughs> I, I didn't know that oh. connection, but I th- I think I remember seeing that in yeah. It's uh it's you know, it's it's saved by the bell with all of the joy and and, and jokes kind of just sucked right out. Yeah, of no, it, I, I so. haven't seen that one since the late eighties. I that's that would be a, almost weird to revisit to see if I remembered anything about it. I just remember that being on TV. Um but yeah, it's it's sort of a, a weird. This this is a strange film because it, above all else, is kind of like it's the Christian cyborg movie. Is is that a thing or the conser- at least the conservative pro life cyborg movie? Which yeah, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess if you're gonna do something for a part three and you want to like keep people guessing, making a fucking like anti-abortion movie is certainly no one was I, I feel like no one reasonably could have claimed like i saw that coming absolutely no one saw this coming and then on top of that you have playing alongside your lead actress who isn't the lead actress in the last film zach galligan <laughs> from gremlins one and two like those movies mm-hmm. i get i guess they i you know i hadn't thought about it before but i guess where else have i seen zach galligan like, nowhere else except <laughs> Cyborg yeah, three. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this movie is. I'm I'm gonna say on on a general summation, this movie is better than Cyborg two because at least kind of like oh, moves yeah. along. It it doesn't feel like it's like just moving underwater, but also uh, not not great <laughs> would be my summation. No, it's got the worst politics in the fucking universe. Oh god, and, it's and awful. there's no reason for it to have those politics either. It 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 like. It almost stops the movie dead in its tracks to like deadpan stare to the camera and just be like, yeah, so we're not going to kill the baby, unfortunately. It's- and there's multiple times there's a she goes to the doctor. She finds out she has a baby and she's like, I'm a robot. How do I have a baby? And the doctor's like, I don't know. She's like, well, get it out of me. And she's like, I can't do that. You could have the future of, you know, human cyborg relations. Yeah, they they don't explain at any point why a cyborg being pregnant. And also, we don't know. Is it a human baby or a robot baby or an amalgam of both? Because as we've previously clarified, both? a cyborg it, is not part human. It's just a robot. It's just no, a, a cyborg robot. is part yeah. human, but Cash is not a cyborg. Oh, oh. She's not a cyborg. She's, she's and, and also how does this robot. work out? Because we clarified that Elias Codius's character from Cyborg Two died. He's died in this movie, but he grew to old mm-hmm. age. But she's just getting pregnant now. So what has this hossy been doing in the in between? No, these two there movies? is no. T- this takes place immediately after his death. So they must have fucked right. like while he was an old decaying man. No way. His face yeah, was, was melted like, all the way yeah. off by that point. This dude was not shooting his shot anymore. You would no think way. that. She would have been impregnated by young Elias Cateus, but no, apparently Death's Door, ancient Elias Cateus, oh. is, is, uh, is a right. father. Invalid nursing home. <laughs> Just shooting his little dust rockets. They mentioned she has like a like a, a sperm-like freezer or something installed. So like the idea yeah. is I guess they could have banged like 50 years prior, but then her system decided now was a great time to just like pop the bun in the oven. Uh, what's impressive about this film is that as much as it harps on basically like you must like you are a woman with child you must have the baby you must Mm. the hope all all the hope of all of humanity is in every child in your womb you must Uh, as much as it harps on that it has no interest in even examining the concept of a man 
robot offspring or, or you know, or how that happens. Like, it's literally just, like, they just plug a thing into her hip and they're, like, a shitty little CG thing of, like, a little baby pops up and they're like, yeah, you got a uterus. That's it. That's the entire <laughs> examination of this movie. And then they had. I like when she it, she tries to give herself an abortion at one point. Yeah, she runs abortion she, code. <laughs> yeah, she she, she like goes through the Windows ninety five desktop and types in fucking abortion dot exe. Four oh four fetus not found. It won't. It won't do it. Yeah, and then it's just like beep boop 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 abortion rejected. Yeah, it's a weird fucking horror scenario. Honestly, that whole thing because it's like the yeah. they they clarify later on that the fetus like created a power surge to protect itself because the fetus is a child and it's alive and it it defended itself I mean, which is it's a cool fetus <laughs> it's a really cool fetus though have you seen it like the, the it's like four polygons of cgi fetus <laughs> it's in the trailer too they're like yeah this is great we spent 12 dollars on this let's make sure we show <laughs> super, as much of it as humanly possible super proud of their shitty cg rendering yeah. of, a, of a child it's, it's just, like a weird goblin child oh my god how the it's movie like if you tried to recreate <laughs> yeah it's it's like if you tried to recreate the the fucking like the child from uh um 2001 a space odyssey but you're using like an apple II computer in 1988 it's just yes yeah, like the movie ends it's, abruptly it's just like the uh, scene ends and she goes like and then the child was born it just cuts to like a fucking psychedelic screed and that baby just like floats up and it's like the end i'm like what what yeah i i don't yeah, even know it, if i could uh, call this better than two at least two had like id it's it's hard to say like it's more watchable it it passes it, by. Yeah, like it doesn't have like that. That's my that's my barometer. It is more watchable. Yeah. It has a more traditional structure, despite some fucking curveball narrative bits. But you know, it, it's kind of like and it, it's more watchable, but also it looks it looks so cheap, right? Like, and it's film, just, there's nothing yeah. to like. There's things in Cyborg Two that like a year from now. I'll remember. They'll stick in my mind. And there's absolutely sure. fucking zero in this movie that will. But I, I guess what the structure cool of cars? being like following <laughs> Richard Lynch's like psychotic fucking recycler at his eyeball necklace and it he's, makes he's it, a it makes it time to Universal pass. Soldier actually as I think about it because he collects eyes from his cyborgs which seems goofy anyway. Mm -hmm. like he's recycling cyborgs but he, pull, he plucks their eyes out and makes a necklace which is a bit like Dolph Lundgren's character in Universal Soldier who makes ear necklaces um, before later being reincarnated as a Universal Soldier but it, it doesn't make much sense because I would imagine that the eyes of a cyborg are among the most uh, you know like oh, yeah. uh, fine tuned and interesting and so McDonald's you think says those that would probably have a lot of value right? he tries to sell him that corpse and he's like well, it's missing the eyes. I'll only be able to give you this much. Yeah. This guy sucks at being a, a, a recycler. Like, he just plucks <laughs> out the most valuable parts. Uh, this film has a couple of other elements. Like, we have one of the, the... The lead henchman is basically like a reprogrammed cyborg who now helps hunt other cyborgs. But then he he has a second guess. Because I, I guess it's worth mentioning that part of the plot of this is as she realizes she's pregnant, she hooks up with Zach Galligan, who is a genius developer of cyborgs he programs and designs cyborgs the timeline of this is very curious because they then escape to uh what's it called Cy town i think which is a, <laughs> like a mythical cyborg city <laughs> where cyborgs escape to be free of man and it's it's a mythical fucking shed in the middle of like a valley 
and we, and it has a sign. It's a mythical like place where no one can go, and it has a fucking sign saying "Welcome to Side Town." Well, don't they put up the sign after? I think they. Uh, to be fair to the the dumb fuck movie, I think they put the sign up <laughs> after the force field is destroyed. Did I? Did I pass that? Out? Yeah, because when they destroyed the force, why would they put the sign up? They weren't welcoming anyone. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> like, they had decided like, to it's... change their path. They could no longer avoid humanity going forward. That, that was the well, idea. Okay, Although okay. it is Sci-Town, and once enough. again, we've established two cyborgs in this film, none of which live in Sci-Town. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone in Sci-Town is just a straight-up android. Yeah. There's uh, no question about that. But anyway, all the all the... the androids in cyborg town are uh, all like broken and kind of incomplete they're like missing arms and legs and then zach galligan shows up and they're like worshiping he's like a god to them because he created them and they figure he can fix them but like they all talk as if they're like you know it was many years ago when i was okay and i was complete and i was able to do this and that you know and it's like you know you created me you know so many years ago Zach Gallagher is like fucking maybe late 30s by the time this movie come out maybe early 40s it's like these cyborgs at worst are like 20 years old and they're like talking <laughs> like they're fucking old veterans it's completely like just hire an older dude to be Zach Galligan because he doesn't do anything anyway. No. Well, the, yeah, the way they describe him, it seems like there's going to be like some ancient old man in the cave. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, it's this gremlins guy. Well, it's probably supposed to be Malcolm yeah. McDowell. And he was like, no, you don't. <laughs> no. I'll take I a smaller role. Do that. <laughs> you know who they should have given it to? Um, a really underrated member of the old cast. You guys know Cato Kalins in this yeah, movie? Yeah, I saw that. Love it, man. Straight from the OJ trial to direct video. He's really... Uh, it should be noted that... Uh, gotta make that money. The Recycler's a reprogrammed android henchman, Jocko, is played by the same guy who plays Zangief, and he, uh, in the oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme classic Street Fighter, and he also went on to play oh. uh, Leatherface in the uh, modern reboot, oddly enough. Wow. That's a glowing I career. The only other, like, notable casting thing, and it actually ties into the plot, in Cyborg 2, there's a guy with no legs. And no, that's Cyborg 3. I, the, Cyborg is that 3. Cyborg? No, 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 no. In Cyborg 2, there's a guy with no oh, legs. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's uh, Yeah, and, and there's a part where they're, they're, I don't know, they're doing something, they're in a sewer or something, and then he's just like, oh, I gotta check with the boss, see if you and he like... It's the part with Tracy Walter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... He's he doesn't have any legs. That same guy is in Cyborg Three, and so it's like okay, so I guess we're we're linking these two together. But the part of this this part, I, I was like dying because it's so fucking boneheaded. But there's this whole montage where they know that there's all these bad guys on dirt bikes that are coming to get him or whatever. And they're like, it's okay. We've got a bunch of busted robot parts, so you can fix us, kid from Gremlins. And he goes, okay. So there's a montage where it's like, okay, I fixed this person's arm, and I fixed this guy's whatever. And then the, the, the one beefcake dude's just like, forget giving me new hats, just bolt guns to my hands. <laughs> so he just gets guns, just fucking... How does put he on his instead of hands? They're like regular guns. No, He's that's the thing. Both of your hands are fucking machine guns. <laughs> this is totally useless for you. You would have been better with. Who stumps. thought that was like an okay thing to keep in the movie? It looks like fucking. It looks. It looks like chubs a, from fucking Happy like Gilmore. Drinking challenge. 
you yeah, know, you know when you like duct tape to like fucking balls of forty or whatever to your hands, and you have to drink yeah. both of like forty hands. It looks like Edward forty hands, yeah. but with a new yeah, but with, yeah. with fucking machine guns. It's like an insane college challenge <laughs> gone awry. So all of this leads to well, actually, I think I think gun hands is the last one, but the second to the last one after four in a row of people getting fixed or whatever, we get to guy with no legs in the second movie. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, how are they going to do? Are they going to like give him like like prosthetic? I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Because the because actor man, actually has no legs. Like they they are an actual exactly. paraplegic. The the man is a paraplegic. He has no legs. He from the from the like thigh down. There's nothing there. So they he's like, well, Doc, can you fix my legs? And he goes, oh, unfortunately, you're a model Z1060, and we only have Z1040s here, so looks like you're shit out of luck. And he just goes, oh, that's okay. And then, boom, straight into gun hands after that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, at some point, they were they were probably shooting this. They go, oh, fuck, we have this whole scene where he's fixing everyone. We can't fix this guy. <laughs> we can't fix him. We got to write this in. Otherwise, people are going to think we could have fixed him. They thought they were fixing a plot hole. Yeah, how fucking <laughs> demotivating is the magic of movies? It's like, sorry, no, you will have to remain just disabled. Yeah. Also, he's gunned down. He's one of the few people who's actively <laughs> oh, fucking shot yeah. to shit. He's like the only one who dies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when they store Town, like, and again, it's like a generic group of like guys on dirt bikes because that's the bad guys yeah. in all of these movies. And yeah, they storm the town. Um, and yeah, I swear to God, the guy with no one with no legs is like the only person who dies. Well, and, actually, like, uh, one other guy dies. The only guy who's like a fucking stunt, like who's a trained martial artist in this entire fucking thing. Oh, that's right. Who I mistook for the henchman, the the repro. I thought they were the same guy. He has a sword, but he also has like a ponytail. He just looks like a kind of weird greasy biker dude. I I misinterpreted his. I was like, why is he a good guy now? And then they cut oh. back and it's like, oh, there are two separate actors, which, you know, yeah. I guess gives this 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 hint of like Mulholland Drive. Um, so that's that's good. <laughs> it's kind of stark because all of the choreography of that final scene is ass, except for the stuff involving that guy where he clearly fucking knows what he's doing and is trained to do this stuff. And it's just like, well, we better kill him, I guess. It's like, why? Yeah, the whole film just looks like shit. It's like. Aside from the desert, there there is no special effect or visual flair here. Uh, like three people get lit on fire. Come on. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's probably a good chunk of the budget otherwise. Like they, at, and at some point, um, they're like, how do, we, how do we deal with the pregnant robot lady? And at a certain point, they give her a cesarean and they just remove this like <laughs> smaller box, which and the whole thing is like this computer engine, like computer imaging of like this weird, goofy child in her. But it turns out the child is actually just like in a little tiny box. That they just pull out of her stomach at one point and yeah. then they just carry it around. It's like fucking Life of Brian. It's like, where does the fetus got to gestate in a box? And it's like, they were like, that's a great idea. That's the future. And they're just carrying around this little, And at the end, she's like lovingly cradling this like small, like looks like a fucking Walkman. And just like, how are we meant to connect with this film in any way seriously? It is impossible. Like no one could have uh, like an awakening in this film. Uh, which is weird considering that it clearly has its a kind of a, its eye on some kind of a, like a moral message. 
uh, you yeah. know, and I don't understand why you would do that in a movie that effectively boils down to a bunch of guys with machine guns uh, storming a fucking clearly like a, a, a town that was clearly built by a couple of like stagehands in an afternoon. Like it's like six uh, like prefabricated just like warehouses with no doors or windows, just like structures. Yeah. I don't know. I have a lot of questions about this movie. I, I, I don't even know. Did this... This is definitely like direct to VHS, like straight to video stores. I don't even know if it ever got a, a real DVD release. Like there's, there is a DVD called Cyborg Three, but I don't know if it's actually like as we've explained. Official. It's a muddled. Could be any number of movies. <laughs> yeah, it's this is really strange. So there's like maybe an official, maybe an unofficial DVD release, but other than that, there's nothing like. I, I need I need interviews. I need a director's commentary. I just have an endless number of questions uh, about this film that uh, will probably never be answered. Specifically related to No Legs Guy. Like the time frame is <laughs> is so strange. Like it's a year later, and I can't imagine Cyborg Two was any level of fucking success. So you would just end with the same director, same characters. One year later, released. You would think that they would have just filmed them back to back, but obviously that's not the case. Considering the cast is scrapped entirely yeah i i have no idea it's, it's my, my best guess is that this movie was like a contractual thing it was like we gotta give you part three but you know mm -hmm. you're gonna make it with cardboard <laughs> seems to be the case seems to be the case all right well uh <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm glad we went through this because now the a defining movie from my childhood I, I feel like it's been contextualized a little bit more for me and I, i've got a greater appreciation and uh finally finally got to see kato kalen in a in a in a role and i've been waiting for that my entire life so with that uh I should probably wrap things up so myros what are you putting over this week uh jeez i haven't i haven't done a ton i'm gonna i i suppose i'm reading through sandman i'm enjoying that uh neil gaiman's uh seminal graphic novel if you will i or series whatever you want to call it it's it's kind of long running mm -hmm. for a graphic novel i suppose but it's uh yeah it's about this sort of you know it's neil gaiman it's about various gods and that sort of thing because that's what he's interested in but uh yeah it's it's certainly very 90s like brooding robert smith nonsense but nonetheless i am mm. uh finding a lot to enjoy in it and uh, i haven't exactly been partaking in endless media this week so we'll go with sandman all right uh jack what are you putting over this week uh i'm i'm gonna put over a movie i watched the other day uh from 1996 hong kong movie called viva erotica which is a really peculiar kind of comedy drama and it's basically it stars leslie chung in a lead role kind of at the height of his career as a kind of a director who has made a couple of flops, he's fallen on hard times, he gets an opportunity to make a new movie, but the new movie is like, they they say they're inter interested in the script, but honestly, they just want him to make a porno. And he's, he doesn't <laughs> want to make a porno, but he gets drafted in. And it's kind of like uh, one of those weird films that it's like, he, he starts to see the advantages, and he's like, you know what, if I'm going to make a porno, I'm going to make the best porno possible. And the supporting cast has, if Leslie Chung is at the height of his power, it has like Shuki or Shuke, I guess is pronunciation. And in an, one of her early roles, when she was actually mostly known for, you know, being like, uh, like naked lady in films, 
uh, before she went on to work with like Hu Xiao Shen and win top awards and become one of the most recognized and uh, uh, you know many awarded Chinese actresses of her generation. It's a really fun, strange movie, uh, kind of like strangely bittersweet and upbeat and kind of peculiar about kind of just a love for cinema, but within the context of uh, making kind of a shitty, a shitty, raunchy movie. So uh, it was much, much different than I was expecting. I don't, I guess I didn't know what I was expecting going in, but it turned out to be much more touching than I guess I, I was reasonably expecting from it. I thought it would just be a more like, you know, broad goofy sex comedy and it's it, it is that but it's also a little bit more so uh check it out if you have a chance all right and uh this week i'm putting over a, a book i actually got it uh the other day you partially to prep for this podcast yeah i know people have been telling me this my whole life and i, I finally proved them wrong uh, radioactive dreams the cinema of albert pune by uh justin Aclo. and it's great it's it's really um, it, it's almost it's more of like a reference book than it is something that you read for like cover to cover. I mean, I guess you could read it cover to cover, but it's great because you can just pick something out like Cyborg, go straight to that, and it gives you just you know a quick uh, insight into the movie. There's some really cool interviews in there. Um, it's and it's also written from a perspective of someone who clearly loves this director, but is also able to be uh, critical in a, in a thoughtful way. And yeah, it's it's awesome. It's just a, it's all around great books. So, uh, radioactive dreams. If you want to get pure, see this pilled. book. Uh, this book really cleared up my confusion as to why Doll Man was in Cyborg. <laughs> yeah, that's see. There you go. <laughs> per, that's that's just one example <laughs> because all, all apparently Albert Pune reuses universe. a character name. Yeah, all in the Puniverse. In the Puniverse, what's what's the name of, of Doll Man's character? Brick Bardo. Brick Bardo, which is a character name that Albert Pune uses in pretty much all of his movies, uh, which we didn't know until until now because we read the book. So there you go. <clears throat> um, if you're listening to this podcast, do us a big favor. Check out the description. And in that description, you're going to see a couple of links. The first link will take you to our iTunes page. And you, my dear friend, much like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Cyborg, have a very important mission. But you will not be traveling from the greater Baltimore area through Charleston, South Carolina, down towards Atlanta. And uh, you won't be taking a boat or walking. Okay? This is, this is not like Jean-Claude in that regard. However, you will be taking a journey to the review section wherein you will give us a five-star written review. Now, why would you do that? Well, the fate of the world is in your hands. And by the fate of the world, I mean, uh, we just just do it, please. Um, there's like an algorithm thing with, with Apple. And if we have more written reviews and a higher star rating, it bumps up our, our podcasts and searches. And that's good because... The more people search for the podcast and find it, the, the more listeners we get, the more stuff we can do for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So please, it'll take you literally three seconds. Just go and do it. The other link, if you are feeling particularly ambitious, we have a Patreon page that you, dear listener, can subscribe to. And why would you subscribe to our Patreon page? Uh, well, there's all kinds of exclusive content. There's written articles. There's exclusive podcasts. There's one on Blumhouse that's going on right now. You can listen to a special Blumhouse content, uh, podcast. It's the kind of content you can only get from the Patreon. So why haven't you given us $3 yet? There's a global pandemic. I get it. But if you have $3, give us $3. Uh, that's, that's what you should do, basically. That's the long and short of it. 
If you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send those. Adam Myros is standing by, hitting refresh on the inbox. And uh, you can also tweet at us, at optimismvaccine. So uh, go ahead and do that. And Jake's not here, so uh, Jack, do you get the last word? Yeah, sure, why not? Jack, you got the last word. If you're going to dine with the devil, better use a long spoon. <laughs> That's, is that's that right? Good. Does that work? <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that works. I don't. Yeah, that works. That's good. Close enough. If you want to dine with the devil? You'll need a long spoon. <laughs> <laughs>